Welcome to the Heads Up Podcast. I am Jason Rogers, the head of school of Rundle College Society, and I'll be your host for this season's episode. With each new podcast, we hope to explore interesting topics relating to Rundle College student, faculty, and parent life. This season, you'll hear interviews with faculty, parents, alumni, students, and educational experts. Each episode will aim to provide an insight and context to the happenings in and around our community. Thank you for joining me and everybody in the Rundle College Society on this journey, and I hope you enjoy this Rundle experience. Welcome back to the Heads Up Podcast. It's been a while since we've done an episode, but I've been uh, really waiting for this episode to take shape, and uh, I couldn't be more happy or feel more fortunate today as I'm sitting in my office. It's a Tuesday afternoon, and I'm here with Dr. Rod Conklin, one of the founders of Rundle College Society, and today we're going to have a bit of an impromptu conversation about you know, I'm going to title out the past, the present, and the future, and I'm really looking forward to hearing Dr. Conklin's perspective on on all of these things. And so before we begin, for those listeners who, who might not be familiar <coughs> with who Dr. Conklin is or what his legacy is, um, let me just do a brief introduction. The few things that I can be certain of is Dr. Conklin was born and raised in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. A really unique bit of irony is that he actually attended the school where I started my teaching career at. Absolutely incredible coincidence. Um, From living in Saskatoon, he then moved west eventually and took up professorship at at the University of Calgary, uh, where he taught uh, educational psychology, um, all the way through and training teachers and uh, training psychologists uh, and running a consulting business, which was looking to help students who were marginalized in the educational system. And it was about that time when uh, Dr. Conklin and Dr. Collette realized that there was a need uh, to help these students more and wondered if it just couldn't happen through a private school. And that's really the, the seed that started Rundle College in 1985. With 22 students in junior high, and now in 2018, 33 years later, we sit here and we've got a K-12 program. We have an academy program that's grade 4 to 12. We have nearly 1,100 students and about 160 staff and faculty. And uh, you know what, I'm biased, but I think just the best educational program anywhere. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop talking now and just get it right over to Dr. Conklin because I can't wait to, to hear a little bit more from him and so that he can share some of the story of, of Rundle College with you. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, Dr. Conklin, uh, welcome to the show. Well. Thank you for for that. Uh, it is really good to be here. I know it took a little bit of arm twisting to, to get this done, but uh, I'm really you know indebted to you for for taking this on. Thank you. Well, it's like I say, it's good to be here, and uh, that's a story that I love telling. Good. So let's start at the start. What what drove drove you and Dr. Klett to even consider starting a school like like Rundle College? Well, you know, I was a professor at uh, the Faculty of Education at the University of Calgary, and Mm -hmm. uh, it was during those years that I had a lot of contact with uh, public schools, um, theories of learning. uh, I mean, I I was really immersed in the whole business of education. um, And when I actually got out there 
and saw what was happening, I, I, I became frustrated. The, the mentality in the public schools was, you know, I'll do my best for the time I have with these kids and um, um, there's nothing much more I can do. And uh, most of these kids went home and when they were questioned by their parents, uh, what did you do in school today? They said, oh, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was frustrating to, to hear. Um, and of course, if you were a top student, you know, you could learn without the teacher. You didn't even need the teacher. Right, right. But if you were in the middle group or the group that needed a little more help, you were done. Yeah. If you were in a lower group, you fell through the cracks. You were finished. Right. You didn't want to go back to school. Yeah. Um, there was uh, there was nothing there for you. So, and my understanding was that was the first, you know, twenty odd students in Rumble College were the ones who had fallen through the cracks. Is that well? There's no doubt the first 22 students that <clears throat> enrolled with Rundle College had done so. Uh, we were just a, a brand new school. We had no reputation. Uh, we had um, nothing more than our names and, and, and uh, a promise to uh, the community that we wanted to do a good job. But in the first few years, uh, the only students that came to us were students who failed many times over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we were dealing with, uh, you know, the people that had, uh, the, the children had, that had been, um, you know, turned off. Yeah, yeah. And we, that was our starting point. Yeah. So we had a difficult job ahead of us. Uh, we knew it and we, we didn't give up. Yeah. We could have easily thrown the towel in then, but we didn't give up. And things just started to improve one year at a time, um, one student at a time. And uh, as you said in your introduction, uh, uh, the rest of the story is amazing. It's just, it just amazing stories to what's happened and where we've come. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of frustration that involved in in the starting up. Yeah, and I think like you've, we've always hung our hat on small class sizes and that was really, some of the initial, you know, genesis of the program is to have small class sizes. I, I'm just curious. I don't even know the backstory on this, but uh, you came up with the number 12 or 14 for class sizes, and it's really proven to be extremely effective in our hallways. And certainly, there's a lot of educational research that would support it now. But where did that come from when when you started that? Well, yes, I I did a, a fairly thorough review of the, of the literature on group size. Uh, especially when it came to teaching, mm -hmm. and um, finally came up with the fact that a, a classroom of one doesn't make sense, right? Because that's like counseling. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, uh, um, a classroom of six. Likewise, is small group counseling, and so um, you tend to get bogged down with each individual story, and um, you go from one to the other, and you don't get quite as much accomplished that way. Whereas if you go to 30 students, 20 students, you've, you've got maybe a few too many. Yeah, of course. And we came back to the number oh, 12 and 15 kept popping up in the literature as optimum class sizes. You're not dealing with necessarily one individual, and yet you're not dealing with the whole group. You're not talking to 300. Yeah. You can then 
keep out of the corner of your eye, you can keep watch on all 12 or 14 uh, youngsters in the class. And it, it surprised me a great deal to realize that a well-trained teacher can do that. Yes. That's what they're trained to do. We did that at the University of Calgary. Yeah. And uh, what happened to those teachers is they went out in the field and they were given 30 or 40 students and <laughs> their training went down the drain. Of course. Whereas of course. at Rundle, I had one teacher come to me in the early years saying, Dr. Conklin, I want to thank you so much. I said, well, thank you. What, what, what are you thanking me for? For giving me the number in a class that I can do my job with. And he was a very good teacher. And uh, that was the uh, his conclusion. It was yeah. because of the numbers. Absolutely. And we've seen it and we've held to that. And it certainly still rings true in our hallways that that's, that's the defining factor in our program. And we're really hanging on to that for sure. Oh, that's good. All right, Dr. Conklin. Uh, the second question I have for you today is around this idea of um, an extraordinary mission of Rundle College. And for the listeners who, who aren't aware, um, <clears throat> Dr. Conklin delivered a speech in 2007. It was my uh, sixth year here at, at Rundle College, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, There's some really, really pivotal moments in that speech that talk about um, Rundle College and, and who we are. And, uh, and I think I would just pass it back to you, Dr. Conklin, to, you know, in your terms, like, what, what is extraordinary mission of, of Rundle College? How do you define that? It's a, it's a complex uh, set of uh, um, mission statements that we, we made. Um, but to try to simplify it, the extraordinary mission of Rundle College was to take students who were marking time in other educational institutions, who were falling between the cracks, who were taking home a report card of 50%, and who were just sort of existing in the, in the system. The extraordinary mission that I introduced to our staff, to everyone involved, was work as diligently as you can to try to excite these youngsters to learn and not for them to achieve honors in the first year but to mm -hmm. just do better than their 50 percent because mm -hmm. they had more potential and lo and behold we found these youngsters achieving grades of 60 and 70 and 75 mm -hmm. so in that in that address, I was quoted, I, quote, I, I said, and to this day I still believe it, is that at Rundle, the teachers, the whole organization is more interested in moving a child from 50% where they may have started to 75% as opposed to taking the students in at 90 and moving them to 95. To me, that didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. So... That was the extraordinary mission, and and we lived by that. And over the years, the students that came to Rundle, there weren't as many 50 percenters. Mm -hmm. They might have been 65 percenters, and now there's more 90 percenters. Mm -hmm. But that's the way it developed. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know our admissions criteria is held true to that. We do take a lot of pride in moving the students. 
from 50 to 70 or 75 than 90 to 95. And I, I still hear it with our faculty and I still hear it with our parents. And I hope uh, people who listen to this podcast as well will know that that's a really important part of who we are as, as Rundle College. Yes. Um, and, and for anybody who's interested in the speech, it is extraordinary in its own right. And it's available in uh, Dr. Conklin's book, uh, Cottage That Became a Campus, and is available at Rundle College uh, anytime. So by all means, pick up a copy. It's a, it's a great uh, narrative of, of the way the school started and, and where we got to where we are today. All right, Dr. Conklin, that's a great start to the past. And like I said, anybody who wants to learn more about the past, there's lots of historical books around here worth, worth picking up and having a look. But um, I'm really curious about the present. You know, uh, you've been back and, and you sit as a member of our, our board. Uh, you see you at all sorts of events. Uh, you know, I have an opportunity to go and meet with you in Radium a few times a year and we get to talk about the, the present of Rundle College. Um, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's selfish, but uh, I'm really curious as to what part of the present manifestation of Rundle College uh, makes you the proudest. Hmm. You know, that would be a question that I would love to have a week to think about before <laughs> yeah. I answered it. But I sprung it on you. I apologize. <clears throat> off the cuff, I would say, and I would say this honestly, the thing that makes me most proud of Rundle today is the people we've attracted uh, to leadership roles. And I don't want to sound like I'm... Uh, you know, self-serving, but I do want to um, say that I have n never met a young man who has taken on the leadership of a school of this type with with so much with so much zeal and with so much academic curiosity and with so much skill in in uh, exciting people and moving them on. So I, I would say that. I frankly would say that uh, uh, Jason Rogers, as head of the school, is my is is what makes me the happiest right now. There are many other things, but that's one of them. Well, thanks, thanks, Dr. Conklin. Um, really flattered. Not sure how to how to take that, except for to say thank you. Um, it means the world to me uh, to hear that from you. I think uh, we're really blessed to have a great team all around us. I mean, we talked about. I feel the same way about the faculty. You know, every time we have the opportunity to to work together, the, their passion and dedication for the program is unparalleled, and it really what makes makes the place tick. And I, somehow, you know, I think Mr. Hauk and yourself attracted some world class people to this organization yes. to to get it up and running, and uh, their contributions are still lasting. Um, yeah. and, and speaking of that, I mean, Mr. Hauk is still still around and still in the superintendent role. So um, I, I want to just rewind for a second. I mean, uh, when you found Mr. Houck, we're talking about leadership and transformative leadership, and Mr. Houck certainly falls into that category. Um, what was it about Mr. Houck that, that transformed Rundle College the way he did so quickly? Well, Mr. Houck was an exceptional uh, principal. If you... Um I, re I read in a, in a book by um, uh, 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 first name Nikephoric schools mm -hmm. schools out. Mm -hmm. um, in there, he did a uh, he did an evaluation of uh, of the school system in uh, Canada in Alberta, 
And uh, one thing he said that he noticed in um, the good schools was they all had a principal who didn't sit in his office, who walked about, and he called him a walkabout principal. Mm-hmm. Mr. Hoke was a walkabout principal. Mm-hmm. He walked the halls looking for um, uh, things that uh, were out of place, and often they would be students uh, who, uh, you know, went to the bathroom and didn't come back to class. Anyway, to make a long story short, he was a manager of students. He mm-hmm. was fair. Yeah. He was tough. He was the same way with teachers. At that point in our growth, we needed a man who had that strength. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he had it. Um, and I, I do nothing but uh, give him accolades. Uh, and you asked me a little earlier, too, about things that I'm so proud of, Rundle. Yeah. And with, with Dave, one of the things I'm proud of is that the book a cottage that became a campus. Not the book itself, but the title. Mm -hmm. We started in a four-room cottage rented from the Calgary School Board, and my dream was to have a campus. Honestly, I dreamt about that campus. Uh, It had uh, space, it had trees, it had a mountain view, it had babbling brooks running through it, (laughs) and I can't believe that today... We have that campus, yes, and so that to me uh, is another is another uh, thing I'm so proud of. Um, but that's a facility. That's yeah. but you need a yeah. facility to house your student body. So that's the second thing I'm very proud of. In addition to our leadership, and I think the really neat thing about our our facilities and properties, whether it's academy or the college, is that there are campuses, but uh, they really exude. That feeling of home that would come with a cottage, and somehow we've been able to, you know, move the culture yeah. from the from the cabin all the way or the cottage all the way into the campus. And yes. uh, I think anybody who visits our campus, and I welcome everybody to visit if you haven't been here uh, to the academy or the college uh, to come in and experience that feeling of home. And I think that's that's really been special. All right, Dr. Conklin, we've done the past and present now, and I'm I'm looking forward to talking about the future. And one of the absolutely most inspiring things. For me is the the book chats that you and I get to have you know we're both lovers of literature and um, recently we had this this confluence of events that brought us to the future and you're reading a book called the fourth industrial revolution uh, and you recommended it to me and I just so happened to be reading a book at the time called homo Deus, uh, and the both are talk a lot about the future and so uh, over lunch one day I, I believe it happened that you and I decided to host a book club event here at Rundle College happening coincidentally uh, tomorrow night and it's just simply titled The Future. And uh, in this event uh, you and I are going to host the night and, and really probe that question as to what is the future of education and what is the future of Rundle College with respect to um, where education is going. And so I expect the topic to be wide-ranging. I expect that we're going to talk about everything from artificial intelligence to blockchain to you know 3d printing to travel to space um, and I don't know what the answer is going to be when we have a, the future think tank intact but uh, I'm curious as a bit of a, a preview or prelude to the to the evening Rod what um, what do you think the future is uh, for for education um, well you know in in the context of those 
two books. The, the, the future of education is um, uh, it's tricky mm -hmm. because those books are talking about a um, a, a tsunami of uh, um, in um, inventions and uh, research in medical science and uh, computer technology, artificial intelligence, uh, all those things. Um, but it's heartening to see that in 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 at least in the Shaw book, he spends a lot of time talking about emotional intelligence, yeah. emotional strength. Right. I think the future of education is 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 still going to be the so-called incubating of our youngsters in in a in a safe and caring environment, mm -hmm. so they can learn the um, emotional intelligence, so they can so they can take on the character that's mm -hmm. needed, so they are strong and visionary in their approach to the future and will make choices based on what they see as they come out of this mm, sort of a cocoon that we have done, but it's a very realistic one. We've introduced them to all of these things in the world and now they're in, they're in a position to choose because of their strength, their character, mm -hmm. their leadership ability. Mm -hmm. That's where I see the future certainly of, of Rundle, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to go. Yeah. Um, in fact, when I look at what is happening at Rundle now, and I see the results of uh, um, uh, what our alum are doing, uh, it heartens me because when I look at that, to some extent, I feel that Rundle is already in tune with the fourth industrial revolution. Right on, right on. It's the teaching of, a, of how to be human. That's right. You know, and I think that's that's something that we've always done really well. Really, your, really well. From the inception that, that you and Dr. Collette had thinking about character education and what it means to, to help kids be their, be their best, reach their potential, that's celebrate right. with them when they do. Um, it's really, really heartening to me to think that that vision, your vision, um, can endure. I mean, that, that gives me great hope for the future uh, of education. Um, yes, and, and I, as I look around, I think we have gathered together uh, teachers and leaders and who are capable of continuing that, that vision. And that's what's so heartening. That's another thing that makes me feel so good about coming back to these walls and uh, and just uh, saying hello. And Rod, I can speak on my behalf as well as on behalf of the faculty and staff and students here at Ronald College. We uh, we really are proud of, of what you started and we're really proud to be a part of it. And we work hard because we believe in it. And uh, it's, it's a real honor, Rod, Dr. Conklin, to have you in my life. And and to be able to have these conversations, you know, and have this ongoing dialogue and be able to keep your vision alive uh, as we move into the next, into the fourth industrial revolution, if you will. <laughs> um, what, a, what a gift, Rod, Dr. Conklin. So thank you. Thank you for all of that. Thank you. And, uh, and thanks for letting me kind of live out my dream and do a podcast with you from the very first one, Rod. <laughs> I called you before I started this and I said, I'm going to get this crazy idea. 
and I'd love for you to be a part of it. And it's been an absolute highlight of mine to be able to uh, record this episode with you. So thank you for taking the time. It's been nice being here. (laughs) Thank you.